Yeah, our band did a spectacular job, and we even got our old friend slash guest worship leader on crutches today, so he did his best. It is a joy to be here on Easter, and I know that some of y'all are visiting here for the first time, and um, uh, you might be looking around, thinking about what this church might mean for you, and today we'll talk a little bit about the, the great news, the great message that we have about who Christ is and how he can change our lives, and then next week I want to invite you back, come to the 10 o'clock service, we'll have a combined service over in the sanctuary and worship with us, and then come back over here, and we're going to have a a great meal. We're going to provide you chicken and you bring a side or a dessert. And uh, this week you hear the message. Next week you can figure out if you like the people. <laughs> and uh, I know that we'll like you, so we're glad that you're here. And uh, we are going to look at, of course, the great news of Easter and um, this wonderful promise of resurrection. And I know that there may be some of you out there today that you're thinking, uh, 2019, are we still talking about resurrection, Jesus being raised from the grave? And uh, to you, I just want to say, I get it. I understand it. I remember early on in my life, um, not really too long ago, that was something I would have said too. Be like, really? 2019, today, people are still talking about the resurrection. And yet, it really is such amazing good news. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And let's just define it for a moment. Uh, resurrection, uh, we are not talking about reincarnation. Every once in a while you come across a person that lives in America that has kind of read a little bit about Buddhism and they say, well, what you really mean is reincarnation, right? And uh, they'll say, because I think it'd be cool, you know, if I come back as a pretty butterfly. And I'm kind of a killjoy at times and I always say things like, well, that means you've, you've failed horribly. Uh, because in that understanding of religion, if you go from being a human to a butterfly, means you've lived a horrible life and you've come back in a lower life form. And they're always like, well, thanks. You're, you're full of good news. Thank you. Um, but not reincarnation and uh, not resuscitation. We're not talking about Jesus dying on the cross and then them giving him CPR or whatever their version of it was at the time. And, and somehow he, he lives through it. Uh, we're very clear in our scriptures and in our tradition that we say he was dead for three days, which in the Hebrew understanding of things meant that you were good and dead, okay? There was no questions about him faking it or, or anything like that. We're not saying that somehow three days later they were like, oh, well, we made a mistake, right? No, he was good and dead, okay? And uh, then the other thing that we would uh, point you toward is that when we talk about the resurrection, uh, we're not just saying, well, he lives on with us in spirit, you know? Uh, sometimes when we lose somebody in this life, we, we say, well, they still live on with us, you know, and we kind of have an image of them being on an island somewhere with Elvis and Hendrix, and, and uh, you know, they're having a great party, and we say, oh, they live on with us in spirit. Uh, that's not anywhere close to what the early Christians thought of when they talked about Jesus being resurrected. And uh, the easiest way to get a hold of this whole message, or one of the easiest ways, is to look at a letter a letter that Paul wrote to the people in Corinth, one of the earliest churches. And he did so about 40, 50 years after the events of the resurrection. And so he's able to go and talk with people. Uh, he also had his own understandings of who Christ was uh, because Christ had appeared to him. 
And um, so he's within 40 to 50 years of the events of the resurrection, and he's writing about why Christianity is so amazing, why the resurrection is so important. Many times people think about Christianity as just Jesus' teachings, or they think about it as a tradition that is just carry on through the years, or any number of things. And yet, when you go back and you say, what really mattered to the early Christian church? What really mattered to Paul? He would say, the cross of Christ and the resurrection. Okay? And so, when we read this letter, uh, those are the words that are going to ring out as we hear those words. Him talking about the cross of Christ, the crucifixion, and then the resurrection. Those are the things that he says are the good news. We'll just pause there for a moment. If that's Paul's good news, what's yours? What's your good news? In Christ, we believe that the good news of, of our world is the crucifixion and the resurrection. In our world today, many people would say our good news is technology's gotten better, and it has. I mean, it's so amazing that I can tell Alexa to order me something off of Amazon, and it'll happen. It's kind of creepy when I mention something in a conversation and then Facebook shows me an ad. But technology is pretty cool. Uh, or we believe that we're somehow always progressing, always getting better, and yet when you look through the history of life, we really haven't. And so what is your good news? And then I just want you to compare it to what Paul says the good news of Jesus Christ is. And in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, uh, he begins to talk about it. He says, Brothers and sisters, I want to call to your attention to the good news that I preach to you, which you have also received and in which you stand. You're being saved through it. If it, you hold on to this message, I preached to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the scriptures. He was buried. He rose from the third day in line with the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at once. Most of them are still alive to this day, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then all to the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as if I were born at the wrong time. I'm the least important of the apostles. I don't deserve to be called an apostle because I aroused God's church. I am what I am by God's grace, and God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I've worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that was within me. So then whether you heard the message from me or them, this is what we preach, and this is what we believed. And so that's the passage we'll look at, and then right after this, Paul also shares a really beautiful word. He says, if Jesus wasn't raised, then all of our faith is for nothing. And he's putting a bottom line on it. He's saying, if Jesus wasn't raised, then all of Christianity is for nothing. All that we do as a church is for nothing. All that we do as a people is for nothing. And he says, if without the resurrection, then this is all pointless. And you might say to yourself, well, what about the good teachings? What about Christian love? What about all those things? And Paul would say, no, if we, if we don't have the resurrection, then we're just doing some good things. It's nice, but it's not as amazing as what it truly could be. And uh, when we look through this passage, we see Paul outlining for us a couple of important things. Uh, the first of which is that he's saying, here's our tradition, here's what we have witnessed. Uh, he goes on to explain to them, and he's saying that Jesus appeared first to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then to the rest of the apostles, and then to 
over 500 other people. And when we think back on that, that event, the, the resurrection, uh, many times people will look back there and they'll say, but did they, did they really see Jesus that he was raised? And what Paul is saying is that, well, if you don't believe me, go back, go find Cephas, go find Peter, go find uh, some of these early disciples, uh, go find some of these 500 people that he appeared to because at the time of him writing it, he's still within an age range of these people still being alive. And he's basically saying, go ask them, go, go see, go, go find out. Uh, and then on tours of this, when we begin to talk about the resurrection, many times people will say, well, wasn't it just some kind of a mistake? Maybe, maybe it was that the, the tomb was empty. Maybe they had the wrong tomb. Maybe somebody hid the body. Maybe all these other things. But if you go back and you look at the history of it, the guards were there. There was nothing more that the Roman Empire would have loved than be able to say, no, here's his body. In fact, he's dead. But that never happened. Uh, or many times you'll hear people say, well, couldn't they have just made up a story? I mean, wasn't that the case? Didn't they just make up a story? And once again, going back to history, if you look at the way the disciples died, it was brutal. It was ugly. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. Right? And the list goes on and on of how badly many of them died. And at any point along the way, the disciples, if they were making up a story, if they were trying to produce a myth or something like that, at any point in time, they could have basically said, hey, no, we were joking. We were just making the whole thing up. And yet they, they never did, right? And then, I mean, for me, when I think about the, the story of the resurrection, when I, I think about all those things that, that come to light, it's just amazing how many times you can go back there and you can look and say, uh, surely, surely this is something that truly happened. And there's great books out there that you can read through, Case for Christ, More Than a Carpenter. All of them will give you a great defense of the resurrection. There's a beautiful book by an author named N.T. Wright. Yay big, right? You could spend the rest of your days reading through it about the resurrection. Um, but there are great resources out there. But, but really what I want to focus in on is what Paul says is most important. He's not saying that we need a good apology. We don't need apologetics. He's saying that we need the crucifixion and the resurrection. And so when he writes about it, there are a couple things that are important. Uh, he writes in verse 3, he says, I passed on to you, most important, that which I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day in line, through the, in line with the Scriptures. So the first piece of it, Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. And what that means is that our mistakes, our trespasses, the gap between us and God, all of that has been forgiven through God's grace and His mercy upon the cross for us and our salvation. That if we came here today thinking that the good news of Easter doesn't apply to us because we've done something too horrible or something that's too terrible or that we didn't grow up in church or that we don't know exactly everything there is to know about Christianity or whatever the case might be. That the promise that Paul is putting forward and what he's saying is saying that Christ died for us for our sins. 
And this is so different than everything else that we hear in the world. When we are growing up, we are told that if we will get the right education, if we'll get the right job, if we will uh, work our way up the corporate ladder or whatever the case might be, that things will go well for us and we'll get our ultimate reward at the end. And that's true for, for other religions as well. But with Christianity, everything that we need is given to us up front. Christ gives us our forgiveness. Christ gives us our salvation. He offers us hope and promise and everything that we need to free us from sin and death is all given to us up front. And we live out that promise through our discipleship, through the way that we live our lives and obeying God and following his teachings. But everything we need for our salvation is given to us as a free gift, as a gracious gift through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what that might look like for you is that maybe there is something in your life that you're ashamed of or that you're afraid of that if anybody knew about it, then they certainly would not love you. You know, you have that fear. And what the promise of Jesus Christ is, is that that is forgiven, that is wiped away, that is cleansed. That because of what he has done for us, that there is no burden that can't be overcome. There's no obstacle that cannot be pushed aside. Uh, there, that even death has been overcome by the promise and the hope of what he has done for us in the cross and the resurrection. And what that means is that we shouldn't be burdened by our fears and our doubts. We shouldn't be burdened by the sins of our past. It shouldn't weigh upon us and make us think that we don't belong or that we're God's stepchildren that, that couldn't possibly enter into heaven. But rather this great assurance that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven means that all things become possible. So that's the first piece in the message. The second one is, is essential as well. It says, I am what I am by God's grace, and God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I've worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is in me. So then whether you heard the message from me or from them, this is what we preach, and this is what we have believed. And this message is so powerful to think about because this is Paul. Paul who persecuted the church, who did everything he could to stop Christianity, including uh, dragging people out into the streets and, and doing all kinds of things. And yet, because of what Jesus Christ had done for him, his life was transformed. He went from being an enemy of the church to becoming its greatest advocate, who traveled all throughout the known world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And over and over again, when he talks about his life, he's saying, I who betrayed the church, who was the persecutor of the church, have become something far different. I've become a follower of Christ. And he says, not because what I have done, but because of God's grace that has worked within me. That gracious gift, that gracious love, that gracious spirit poured into our hearts that transforms us and changes us forever. Now, our world doesn't believe that people can change. But God certainly does. This morning, we had a, an amazingly good... Uh, Sunrise service at 6.30 this morning. Some of y'all were still in bed at 6.30, right? And, uh, but we had a great service, and the student ministry of our church led it, and they did a fantastic job. They had music and a uh, great video and a great presentation. They just did a spectacular job, celebrated communion. And um, I was over there uh, participating in the service and, and watching all the good things they were doing. 
And uh, when it came time for the, the sermon, uh, there was a young student named uh, Edward. And uh, Jonathan, our student ministry director, was introducing him, and he was saying, Edward is a, a junior at Westbrook High School, and he'll be giving the message today. And I thought it was so cool. And then I also thought to myself, man, I don't know how y'all are, but when I was a junior in high school, that was the last thing I would ever want to do, right? I mean, when I was a junior in high school, one, nobody would have asked me to be the speaker of the day, right? And then secondly, uh, the idea of standing in front of 100 strangers, right, and speaking would have been equally terrifying. And then on top of that, to be preaching on Easter. I mean, it's the most important day of the church, and yet he came forward and he did a fantastic job. And I thought to myself, I would not have done that when I was a junior in high school. I would not have done that when I was a junior in college. And yet, because of what God has done in my life, I speak and proclaim the gospel each and every week. And it's a great joy. And this is one example of the way that God's grace can enter into our hearts and, and change us and redeem us and put us in a place that we never thought possible. And that is what the cross and the resurrection does over and over and over and over again. Now, I have seen that at work in so many people's lives. I mean, Edward did a great job of talking about the truth of Christ, but I can give you a number of examples. Uh, many years ago, I was at a conference for uh, church leaders, and we got to the part of the service, which I lovingly called the, uh, the forced greeting, you know. Like, the pastor stands up and says, greet one another, and you're like, oh, i got to go do it, right? And we got to that part, and I stood next to a guy uh, who I, he said, you know, not only do you have to greet them, but find out something interesting about them. And so we swapped information. I was talking with them. I said, well, what do you do for a living? He said, up until recently, I was the, the sound engineer for a, uh, a band. I was like, okay, that sounds cool, sound engineer for a band. Um, but I noticed that he wasn't telling me which band. So I thought it was a little curious. And so being the person that I am, I said, so who did you tour with? And he kind of gave me a sheepish look, and he looked at me, and he said, ACDC. <laughs> and I'm looking around at this group of Christians. I was like, did you just say what I think you said? ACDC? He's like, yes. And I guess he was looking forward to me saying something like, you know, that's horrible. But I said, I love them. You know, that's awesome. And he began to share with us and share with me, and he said, yeah, up until then, I mean, that was great, it was awesome, but my life really wasn't very fulfilling. And then I met Christ, and now I've got my own little church. And I thought, that is profound, that is amazing. And he said, yeah, it's just what Christ has done for me. Another great story about a musician, uh, I had a, a, a guy at one of my churches and we were starting a service, and I was talking with some of the church people, and I said, we need some musicians because uh, we're going to have a, a service where we're going to have great music, and I need some musicians. And one of the, the women in the church spoke up, and she said, well, I don't know if you can get him to come to church, but my husband, he, he's a musician. And I said, well, uh, tell me about that. And he said, yeah, he's toured all over the world. He's, he's a great musician, great person, but he, he's not much into church. And uh, somehow or another, we you know, kind of talked him into being part of the band, and he was in the band for about a year. He would play. He would participate in worship. Fantastic musician. We desperately needed him. Uh, but in terms of faith, it wasn't something that was that important to him. And about a year into it, he came to me and he said, I just want to let you know that 
I've become a Christian. And I've, I've begun to see what God can do in my life. And he, he shared his story, and he said, there's probably been 20 or 30 years of my life that has just kind of gone up in smoke. I said, what do you mean? He said, literally, it's like a purple haze of smoke over 30 years. And it wasn't until I started knowing who Christ was and, and what he could do that my life began to change. And he went from somebody that reluctantly agreed to help to somebody who was always there first to help get the worship started. And over and over again, I, I could tell you those stories and I could, I could encourage you to see the power and the greatness of the resurrection and the cross. But what I want to invite you to do today is to, is to practice it yourself. And here's what I would love for you to do. I want you just to take a moment and think about one part of your life that you desperately want to see change. And it may not be something like addiction, or it could be. It may not be something that's personal. It might be something in your community, in your school system, or something greater in the world that you desperately believe needs to change. And I want you to, to begin to ask the simple question of how could God change this through the power of the resurrection? And over the next 40 days, between now and June 9th, which is Pentecost Sunday, I want you to begin to lift whatever that is up to God. Maybe it is a past mistake. Maybe it is a past failure. Uh, maybe it is something that you know good and well is a behavior or an action that you do that consistently hurts you or hurts somebody else. And over the next 40 days, I want you to lift that up to God, to pray about it, to seek God's counsel, to seek God's wisdom. That when you come to a church on Sunday morning, that's something that I want to see and know that you are you're giving over to God as well. And I want you to do that because in those moments and in those times, we're willing to release to God our biggest struggles and our biggest problems. Amazing things happen. Either that problem will change or God will give you a piece about it or show you why it's there. And so over the next 40 days, that, that's what I want you to do. Would, would you do that for me, for yourself, for God? Will, will you do that? And so that on June 9th, you will see the power and the hope of the resurrection. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, our faith is not always encouraged by the world that we're a part of. We're encouraged to trust in all sorts of things, in products or science or in leaders or whatever the case might be. We're encouraged to, to trust in those things. And yet somehow by your grace and your mercy, Lord, we have come here today to place our trust into something far greater than that, to place our trust in you. Help us this day to receive the promise that you have sold us that in Christ our sins can be forgiven, that the old is gone and the new has begun. Help us to lean forward and to, to reach 
for where it is that you are calling us to be. Help us to know that no matter how many times we might have failed to do that or how many times it seems pointless or futile, that today is a new day. Today is Easter. Today is the day that we celebrate the resurrection, that not even death can separate us from you. Be with us, Lord, over these next 40 days. Lead and guide our hearts in a new way. Help us to let go of what it is that we need to release and to receive what you alone can grant. All these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. If you would like to become a